So, Rachel. Yeah? Captain Kirk becomes obsessed with destroying a deadly entity he once encountered in his youth. Oh. What do you think you're going to get here? Finally, another showdown with Finnegan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that's, that's what's going to happen here. Kirk fooing a light being? Maybe. Making questionable decisions due to this being personal, mm-hmm. which Spock will respectfully call him on. Uh-huh. McCoy will be asked to join in on the rumble and he'll say, I'm a doctor, not a street thug. <laughs> a one episode woman will be cheesed off that Kirk isn't obsessed with her instead. Oh, OK. Those are some very interesting predictions. Let's see how accurate they are. Ooh. Rachel watches Star Trek. log stardate 3619.2 with the mysterious death of two crewmen all personnel on the planet have been evacuated back to the ship welcome to rachel watches star trek <laughs> is that your halloween version of it yes we're recording on halloween even though this is not a halloween episode we can make it halloween special can we nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could, um, but we're not going to. Okay. Uh, we're just going to talk about this episode. It's called Obsession. Your obsession, you're my obsession. Who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? You're my obsession. <laughs> do you remember that song? No. I'm going to play some of it right here. I love it. More. Sing more into my eyes. <laughs> Let's just jump right into it. Kirk, Spock, Ensign Rizzo, and Ensign Leslie, and a, another security guy are surveying Argus 10, a planet rich in tritanium, a material 20 times harder than diamond. Mm, why do they need that? To make things really hard. To cut diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> They're scoping it out for mining possibilities. It seems like this is half of what they do these days. Yeah. And the red shirts now have cummerbunds or short red shirts and then really high black trousers. I think they're their belts that they put the phasers on. Wow, those are some serious belts. They're then. really big belts. Yeah, they are more like cummerbunds. You're absolutely correct. Oh, thank you. Kirk notices a sweet honey-like odour and he goes on full sniff alert. <laughs> Spock breaks off a bit of sparkly rock and picks it up with plastic tongs. Well done. <laughs> they're learning. <laughs> Kirk orders Rizzo and the guards to sweep the perimeter with special instructions to scan for dichronium, whatever that is, and to fire on any gaseous clouds they might happen to see. He looks haunted. Yes. Meanwhile, the USS Yorktown expects the Enterprise in eight hours with some vaccines. Mm, they're going to rendezvous. The red shirts see a cloud of the smoke. It's a smoke machine coming up from the sparkly rocks. It surrounds two of the guys and it's full of kind of sparklers, mm-hmm. which I thought was very good, you know, around this time of year. Bonfire night <laughs> won't mean anything to you in America. <laughs> but to me, it was very seasonal. Yeah. The guys choke. So when Kirk and Spock run to investigate, they find uh, two of the guys dead and Rizzo is badly injured. And the dead guys are all gray. Well, that's what Rizzo gets for having sex in high school. <laughs> I was thinking, well, how could Rizzo be taken down so easily since he's in charge of the pink ladies? (laughs) Well, yeah. There are worse things he could do. (laughs) That's enough now. (laughs) On the ship, McCoy reports that Rizzo is unconscious after massive blood transfusions. 
the autopsies revealed red blood corpuscles had been drained from their bodies without any marks or incisions. Kirk says, examine the record tapes of the USS Farragut, which listed casualties 11 years earlier from identical causes. Mm. So Kirk decides to stick around to investigate the deaths further, despite being scheduled to pick up the highly perishable vaccines, which are badly needed on the planet Theta-7. So he's putting their lives at risk for his vendetta against this thing. Well, hmm, let's talk about that a little bit later. He asks McCoy to re- revive Rizzo for questioning, which he does with Cordrazine. To the neck. Sidewig disapproves, but she doesn't say anything. Rizzo reports there was a sickly sweet odor and that he felt an intelligence when it attacked, but it wasn't Kaneki. That's my last one. That's my last one. Lots of leading questions from Kirk, which is not going to get you an accurate testimony, which McCoy agrees with. That the guy could have just been saying what Kirk wanted him to hear. Mm-hmm. Sick bay, not much gurning. I'm no. kind of missing that now. Yeah, you want a little gurning in there, don't you? Spock tells Kirk sensor scans for the dichironium were negative and hypothesizes that the creature might be able to change its molecular structure and thus avoid detection from the Enterprise's sensor scans. Whoa, it's like a cat fraggle lady all over again. <laughs> Ship shifting. <laughs> no, it's not. Kirk hears Rizzo has died. Did the reviving finish him off? It's a bit harsh, isn't it? What do you mean? Rizzo's dead. Yeah. Bringing him back to consciousness and then letting him fall asleep again. That might have finished him off. Oh. Uh, just leave him. But he's not. only just had some blood transfusions. Don't yeah. start shooting him in the neck with cortrazine. Ensign Garavik arrives on the bridge offering to get that creature that killed his friend Rizzo. They were classmates. Mm-hmm. Kirk says, you've got a score to settle with this gas. So have I. Let's do this. (laughs) So Kirk, Garavik, and four red shirts beam down with their phaser set on disruptor effect. What? Yeah, this is a new one. The disruptor effect. Klingons use disruptors. Like that's their preferred method as opposed to phasers, which supposedly is a phaser-like weapon, but it's very painful. Uh, What does it disrupt? Your molecular structure. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It's a pretty nasty weapon, but this is the first time that they ever say these phasers actually have disruptor settings, and I think it's phaser type twos. Okay. Now it makes a little more sense why they would be firing at it, because firing a phaser at a lump of gas is going to do balls <laughs> all. <laughs> right. But I could, yeah, okay. The new red shirt, Garavik, has a very wide legged stance for his scanning. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would notice that. It was really intense. I didn't notice that at all. What? I didn't even know. Just imagine putting your legs too wide and then put them out another couple of feet. <laughs> it was great. Still no preparation for these new red shirts on how to deal with the gas or what to look for. They split into two parties, one led by Kirk and the other by Garavik. Kirk gives orders that the cloud was to be shot on sight. But will anyone listen this time? No. He gives the order quite casually. I'd be grabbing them by the collars and shouting in their faces. The cloud approaches Garovic's party, but he hesitates before firing, misses it, and it attacks two crewmen. (sighs) Back on the ship, one man is in critical condition and the other is dead. Kirk is now convinced that not only was the creature intelligent, but it was also the same creature which attacked and decimated the crew of the Farragut 11 years previously. Yeah, we know. (laughs) There's a a little bit of a jump in logic here that Mm -hmm. this is the exact same creature. Oh. It could be the same type of creature. Yeah. Like the same species. Okay. So I thought, it was like, why is it the specific one? But I think it gets explained a little bit later on. Kirk had just intuited that it was true, so I just believed him. I didn't need him to keep investigating. (laughs) (laughs) So Kirk, Spock, and McCoy meet with Garavik in the briefing room to hear his report. 
Again, they show and then tell. Yeah. Kirk has him relieved of all of his duties and confined to quarters, which McCoy finds to be a bit too harsh. Kirk storms off. Scott reminds Kirk of the urgent nature of their mission with the vaccines. Kirk dresses Scott down, but then apologizes, which Scotty is very pleased with. Mm -hmm. Kirk also snaps at Chekhov, who reports that they have conducted full scanner probes twice on the planet. Kirk yells for him to do it 20 times if necessary. Yeah, jeez. He's starting to unravel. Spock and McCoy decide to consult on Kirk's obsession with this creature. Spock says 11 years earlier, then Lieutenant Kirk, under the command of Captain Garavik on the Farragut, had faced a similar situation. And this captain is the plucky new red shirt's dad. Yes. And so now we know how long Kirk has been with Starfleet well, in active service. Yeah, well, at least, I mean, he was a lieutenant at this point. So he, you know, he was an ensign before that as well. So he's been at least in Starfleet for 11 years, probably longer. I'm sure our listeners would know the answers to that. Of Personal log, Stardate 3620.7. Have I the right to jeopardize my crew, my ship? for a feeling I can't even put into words. No man achieves Starfleet command without relying on intuition. But have I made a rational decision? Am I letting the horrors of the past distort my judgment of the present? So he's saying there that intuition is one of the hallmarks of becoming an officer and he's determined to go by that more than perhaps the logic that others are mm -hmm. presenting. McCoy waltzes into Kirk's quarters where he's lying fretfully on his sparkly bed. <laughs> McCoy speaks of the terrible stress of a young officer in his first real danger. But when Kirk snaps that punishing Garavik was his command decision, McCoy reveals that the young officer was Kirk. Aw, snap! Yeah. So McCoy reminds Kirk that he too hesitated before firing on the creature, causing him to miss it. Shortly thereafter, it killed 200 crewmen, including Captain Garavik. Thanks for the traumatic flashback, McCoy. McCoy suggests that Kirk's guilt is causing an obsession and says he's preparing a medical log entry on Kirk's emotional condition. Such a log requires a witness of command grade. So in comes Spock. Hmm. Where was all this when Grandpa refused to hand over the keys last week? If you recall, both McCoy and Spock were grandpas themselves so mm. maybe their judgment wasn't as solid or the writing is just not consistent okay following regulations then spock and mccoy inquire about kirk's command decisions kirk states that he had sensed that the creature was intelligent and that it was the same one that attacked them on august 10 which indicated the creature was dangerous and capable of space travel never occurred to me that the gas cloud might be traveling around space yeah no that blew my mind yeah. i just didn't think that was going to be possible so kirk needed to take care of it mccoy's like oh right fair enough yeah because i was on spock and mccoy side mm -hmm. and then once kirk said that i was like oh actually yeah this thing could be potentially really really dangerous even more so than the virus that needed the vaccines on that other planet so yeah. he's got to make kind of a, a judgment call yeah. yeah, so that was quite well done, wasn't it? He yeah. drew us into assuming that Kirk was going off the rails with his obsession. Right. But actually, he is saving more lives here. But I did wonder, still, in the back of my mind, I'm going, but how does Kirk know that this is the same creature? And mm. that's a huge assumption that it would be able to travel from planet to planet. Mm -hmm. Because so far, they haven't seen it travel from planet to planet. He saw it on one planet, and then they saw it on this planet. So it could be a different creature of the same type. But that still means they can spread throughout the universe. Possibly. But they don't know how. Maybe they've got a vehicle, or maybe somebody transported it, or who, who knows? There's a lot of assumptions going on here. Mm -hmm. But later on, it's kind of explained. So Chekhov reports that the cloud is heading into space. Boom. So oh. Kirk has proven right. Has it got itself a little spaceship? No, it just can somehow 
it's they say that it uses gravity to be yeah. able to move itself through Didn't get that. space. I don't exactly know how that would work, but it's able to go super fast. It goes warp eight, which is a speed that the Enterprise can't even maintain. Uses gravity. Yeah. What's it pushing against? Well, gravity pulling can with gravity can bend space time. Whoa. But to the extent of traveling super fast, I don't know how that would possibly work. Let's just say it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they try and pursue it, but they can't maintain that speed. So Kirk says, okay, we have to stop because mm. the ship's going to blow up if we keep going warp eight. He actually listens to Scotty this time. Chapel brings the grounded Garavik his dinner. as She finds him lying on his bed being all sad, kind of a moody teenager, mm, racked with yeah. guilt. She tricks him into eating by saying that McCoy had her bring a microtape containing a simple order to eat. She's there pushing her soup again. Yeah, what's with her in the soup? <laughs> she threatens to feed him intravenously in sickbay if he does not. Oh, and this silliness is also he can throw the plate cover and knock a ventilation control open. At least it gives some brief meaning to Chapel's life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden it's red alert. All crews to battle station. Garavik leaves his room and reports on the bridge. The creature is turned towards the ship. Kirk orders the phasers to fire on it. However, when the phaser attack hits it, it doesn't do anything. It kind Why of would just it? goes right through it. So they try a barrage of photon torpedoes. Again, doesn't work. Why would they work on a gas? Because it is... Something's holding the gas together. Some kind of energy. Mm-hmm. It's making it cohesive. It's If it's an intelligent, something else is going on there. Yeah. A photon torpedo or even phasers... Our energy, so it could disrupt whatever that network is. Huh. Possibly, but it doesn't because yeah. it works on some kind of different system. The creature sneaks into the ship through the impulse engine vent that had been left open for repairs. Oh, come on. And it gets into the ventilation system of the ship. Oh. Why those two are connected, I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> they only have two hours of air left because they have to shut down the ventilation systems to, to contain the creature. Yeah, we don't need a two-hour deadline here, do we? We've only got another 15 minutes of the show left. Sure. Kirk, Spock, Scott and McCoy meet in the briefing room. McCoy feels the situation is a result of Kirk's obsession and he accuses Kirk of wanting to hang a trophy on the wall. I liked that bit. Mm -hmm. But Spock counters that this is now academic as the creature has attacked. McCoy makes Spock say that the creature is intelligent in his opinion. Why do we have to keep saying this? (laughs) Why is everybody going over and over this point? Yeah, it, it it does kind of hit you over the head with it because I, I don't know from a writing standpoint why we need to see this again. As opposed to what? That it's just like an energy force, like a cloud, like a storm of mm. some kind. They're talking about intent to damage, are they? Yes. Here? Okay. But it's, that's obvious, isn't it? It sneaks up on people and kills them. Maybe it's an animal mm. level intelligence. So they're thinking it just reacts and moves like an animal. But the way that it's doing things now and the way that it's being very thoughtful about how it gets into the, the ship systems. Yeah. It seems like, oh, actually, it's probably very intelligent. Even though we've stopped pursuing it and it's not in defense. Yeah. It's coming after us. Yeah. Yeah. They decide radioactive waste should be flushed into the ventilation system to drive out the creature. Ooh, that sounds dangerous. Yeah. Then alone together, Spock reminds Kirk that as the phases were ineffective, there was no basis for his guilt about hesitating firing 11 years ago. Oh. Yeah. So he shouldn't feel guilty about it because it wouldn't have done diddly squat anyway. So Spock visits Garavik in his quarters and informs him that his hesitation was natural. What a sweetheart. But in sneaks the cloud creature through the vent and Spock ejects Garavik and seals the door and attempts to reverse the vent, which is jammed. What a badass. Spock's a badass. (laughs) Why was it important to him to go and relieve everybody of their guilt? Because they were 
having emotions irrationally and well I, maybe it's just that he can see that the emotions were getting them stuck mm -hmm. and he wanted to help them get through their emotions so they can be more productive mm -hmm. garavik tells kirk that spock has saved his life giving up his own spock emerges okay <laughs> the reverse pressure that kirk had ordered was effective and the vent was closed when a stunned kirk asks spock how he could have survived the encounter mccoy jokes that his green blood must have left a bad taste in the creature's mouth <laughs> due to his copper-based blood he was not affected by the creature what an understated hero. Yeah. Well, this is the first time, too, that they say that his blood is copper-based. I mean, they say that it's green. Kirk enters the cabin and is about to report a strange sensation to Spock. Mm. <laughs> when he's interrupted by Scott, who reports that the creature is moving out of the ship the way it came. So after this, Kirk meets with Garavik, saying that you were on the bridge during the attack. And Garavik is like, yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I know I was confined to quarters. And Kirk says, no, don't worry about it. He he's like... I admire it. Yeah. And he says, look, you saw it happen. The phasers didn't do squat. So Garavik and Kirk could not have changed a thing in the past with their hesitations that they both had. So the cloud is moving at faster warp speed and then they lose it. They don't know where it goes. But Kirk says that he thinks the cloud is going home to Tycho 4. Kirk's able to read the creature on some level. The new smell equals home. Yeah, he understands that the smell is a communication of some kind all of his intuitiveness that he's going with i mm. think is from this smelling communication that's going on that he doesn't quite understand like literally words are, aren't being spoken it's just kind of a feeling that he gets mm. from these smells wow and then that is what is guiding him so it, it makes the whole episode to me make a lot more sense like he feels like it's his gut but at this point it kind of clicks with him it's like oh that's how it's communicating with these odors. McCoy again reminds Kirk that the medical supplies need to be picked up, but Kirk again overrules it. Spock thinks that it might be going home to reproduce, and if that's the case, there could be thousands of these things if they don't kill it. Ooh. They plan to use antimatter to destroy the creature, even though it's going to destroy the planet's atmosphere. Yikes. So it's pretty huge. And I'm thinking to myself, is this... Starfleet? Mm -hmm. They're just talking about destroying a creature that might possibly reproduce. Mm. They're also wiping off the atmosphere of a planet. Or a big chunk out of it. Is this an inhabited planet? What else is I going on there? I think, that, well, there's some kind of life. Well, this thing is life. It's intelligent mm -hmm. life. And they're just going to flip and kill it. And who knows how many of these other things are on this particular planet. Yeah, this might be just one bad seed out of a really nice population yeah, of gases there's a lot of not knowing stuff about what's going on here <laughs> yeah. and then they're just going all willy-nilly into destroying the heck out of it they don't consult starfleet mm. command which i would think i might be a captain this is above my pay grade here mm. because we might be wiping out a species yeah but whatever. Now let's get in and rock them. <laughs> so they also want to use the Enterprise's supply of hemoplasm as bait. What? Why do they have? Have they taken it out of the blood or something? I think it's just like fake blood oh. that they can use in emergencies. Oh, right. So it's like feeding a vampire thick yeah. blood in true blood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Synthetic. Yeah. So Kirk and Garavik uh, go down to use this weapon. Again, I don't understand why this thing couldn't have been used remotely. Oh, yeah. It was unclear to me why they actually had to be right down there to, to do it. To detonate it right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, story. Yeah. <laughs> so Kirk and Garavik beam down and prime the bomb, but the cloud shows up early and eats all the hemoplasm. And they all just stand there doing nothing while it drinks it. <laughs> Kirk then decides he has to be the new bait. Garavik tries to knock him out, but fails. And then Kirk kicks his ass. <laughs> 
<laughs> Man, and Garavik totally came up behind him and gave him a chop to the he neck. Had to save him. And yeah, Kirk just recoups and then just beats him down. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was. Then Kirk says, I'm not going to kill myself, you idiot. Kirk has the transporter on standby. And as the cloud gets right to the bomb, they detonate and beam up. Beaming and detonating at the same time. <laughs> McCoy gives a dig at beaming of how dangerous it is. Yeah. Totally agree. So the anti-manor explosion uh, messes with the transporter, but Spock is there and he is awesome <laughs> and he saves them both. <laughs> and then we get this little button on the show. Captain. Thank heaven. Mr. Scott, there was no deity involved. It was my cross-circuiting to be that recovered them. Well then, thank pitchforks and pointed ears. As long as it worked, Jim. That's a fair statement, Bones. Now that the creature is dead, let's save some lives. We'll deliver your medicine. Bridge, this is Kirk. Uhura here. Have Mr. Chekhov laying a course for rendezvous with the Yorktown. Maximum warp. Aye, sir. Oh, Ensign. Meet me in my quarters when you've cleaned up. I'd like to talk to you about your father. Several tall stories I think you'd like to hear. Thank you, sir. I would. Hmm. What do you reckon to that? Well, I would be a little ticked that he tried to freaking knock me out and wasn't obeying orders. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, it was all in his interest, he thought. Yeah, but it was still a dumb decision. It's like, yeah. I'm the captain for a reason, butthole. <laughs> Listen to me. Butthole. Don't freaking... By him jacking him on the back of the head, it could have ruined everything. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe that's what he's going to really tell him when he gets him to the quarters. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I guess Kirk sees a lot of himself in the young Garavik. And, yeah, they've bonded yeah, over they've having bo similar experiences. Yeah, and breaking rules. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk, because, you know, I like to break rules too. <laughs> yeah. Tax superior officers. So concept. I was right about them having to try and fight a light being, about Kirk making bad decisions and being called on it by Spock. But the other stuff was wrong. Well, it wasn't really a light being. Oh. It was a cloud. Oh, come on. Now you're splitting hairs. <laughs> <laughs> a non-organic, non-eyes and genitals type being. Okay, okay. I'm just, just a, a cloud being is, yeah. is made of matter. Right. An energy oh. being... Is made of energy. This so. was made of energy and matter, wasn't it? Well, I mean, all life forms are made of energy and matter. We are. We Our whole nervous system works on energy. Whoa. Well, all matter is energy, really. Anyway, let's not get into this. I give myself half a point. Yes, I think you did a very good job. That. There was yeah, a lot, of, especially the important thing of Kirk being nuts and Spock calling him on it. That's That was obvious, wasn't it? Not to you, you know, months ago. <laughs> you wouldn't have known this. Yeah. But you've you've learned so much about oh, Star Trek. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk went on about how his intuition was more important than other rational factors, but it did annoy me that he kept convincing other people it was the same creature when it seemed to me obviously was. Yeah. And it obviously was intelligent. Yeah. So that dragged uh, for me. That's entertainment, I know. Yeah. It didn't bother me. So 11 years of guilt that Kirk alone could have stopped a massacre and then meeting the killer again and being driven to take his power back and undo his own failings act have revenge hmm. that was an interesting concept i yeah. felt then towards the end kirk and the ensign were relieved of the burden to know that they could have done nothing whether they hesitated or not how did the creature suck the hemoplasm out through the glass oh well it somehow got it through their skin too without breaking because yeah. remember he said there was no puncture marks on their skin as well so somehow on a molecular level it was able to suck it up i don't know oh, good man. question i liked that spot couldn't be affected by this vampire cloud but what was the creature's motive did it need the hemoplasm like the salt vampire needed salt i guess so but why would gas slash 
matter and energy need that? I don't know. It just it does. It wouldn't. <laughs> you don't need blood, do you? Come on. Maybe blood there's cells. some element in the blood cells that it craves, that it wants. Collects them and feeds them to his pets. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uses it, them to paint the walls it, back home. Rachel. Yeah? Story. Story. And so, Chris, mm-hmm. do you have any unfinished business? Any revenges that you still need to take? I once brought a dead guy back from the dead Uh -uh. and then I got freaked out and he ran away and he's kind of just running around out in the world somewhere right now. Oh, wow. You're cross with him for that? No, I'm not cross with him. I'm just kind of, you know, that's unfinished business. (laughs) He's out there doing stuff. I don't know what. Oh. So, yeah, if you see some big stitched together guy, not Frankenstein's monster. This is a whole different thing. This is a real one. This is a real deal guy. Yeah. Tell him that I, I still live in Los Angeles. Hey, Chris, well done. You've made it halloween <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> Do you have any unfinished business? Well, I never did get revenge on that tiger who weed on me at Flamingo Land. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. well, it's, yeah, but his time is up. Oh, my gosh. I might go back there with my children and oh. then we'll see who gets weed on. This, like the Doomsday Machine, has a Moby Dick vibe to mm. it. You know, Captain Ahab going after the creature. Right, yeah. Um, the director, Ralph Senensky, noted, I realized from day one that it was a transferring of the <laughs> I'm captain. I'm this Do you know him personally? No, no. no it's it's I just, this great. is what I think he would talk like. Yeah. Transferring of the Captain Ahab Moby Dick battle from the ocean to outer space. But the script was more than the novel's struggle between man and a big whale. It was a mystery story, if not a whodunit, a <laughs> what is it? <laughs> And it really wasn't because no, they knew what it was at the beginning. Yeah, they just knew. kept saying it again and again. It's true. And it was more beyond that. It was a deep penetration into Kirk's psyche. Mm, his inner again. <laughs> his inner struggle to overcome guilt for his actions in a past incident. So again, based on Moby Dick, huh? Yeah. There's this one bit I was doing some reading about. There's a short story called The Greater Good. And this is from the anthology Shards and Shadows. Uh, and so in the story, the mirror universe, James T. Kirk, who was a lieutenant and he served on the ISS Farragut. So what's this fan fiction or something? Or no, this was in a short story that was published. As part of the canon. Well, yeah, as, as much as any of those novels and books are, but it was officially licensed. Yeah. Star Trek novel stuff. So Captain Karavik took great pleasure in humiliating Kirk in front of the entire crew. <gasps> Because he did the same thing, like he hesitated. But in revenge, Kirk arranged for Garavik and 200 of his crew to be killed by the cloud creature. And he later claimed that he slept sounder that night after Garavik's death than (laughs) than he had in years. I wouldn't mind seeing that version, actually. Wow, that is some harsh. Yeah. But... I gotta say, killing this thing did not seem like the right thing to do. Mm. From a Starfleet Federation of Planets standpoint, I mean, a few guys died, but red shirts are dying left and oh. right all over the place. <laughs> They're totally expendable. Especially when you have a vaccine that's going to be saving hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Yeah. This thing that hasn't killed anybody as far as Kirk knows in 11 years. Maybe it's just been defending that planet. Yeah. Who knows? Just There's so there. many questions that I had thinking about it afterwards while i was mm-hmm. watching it i was just into it but then i thought boy this it doesn't seem very starfleety and it seems a little homicidal it's a bit like the hotter isn't it it was defending its planet they were there mining which they were trying to potentially do here right it was only through spock mind melding with it that he discovered that it wasn't 
aggressive it was just merely defending its young yeah. i thought that spock was gonna when, when he's in the gas cloud he puts his hand over the vent i thought mm. he was gonna mind meld with it yeah but it he was just happen. kind of trying to close the vent yeah. with his fingers wasn't he <laughs> so entertainment lots of repetition from kirk and showing and telling mm-hmm. bit of shoddy camera work early on yeah i noticed spock that out of focus the dead guy's eyes flickering just reshoot that yeah. <laughs> How long does that take? <laughs> Not remastered, I don't think. Well, weirdly. yeah, we were watching it on Netflix and mm. it was definitely the old planet and Enterprise. It wasn't the new stuff. And I don't know why, because all of the other episodes are remastered. The film footage looked very high def to me. Oh. But the... But not the effects. Not the effects, not the spaceships and stuff. That looked like some crappy matte painting stuff and... Oh, Mo- well, some crappy model stuff and but and it was shaped like an old tv what you call it, it wasn't widescreen kind of thing was it no they're all like that are they yeah oh god wow you just noticed that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> halfway through the second season i've already just noticed there were black bars on the side of the screen oh wow. every time we've watched it no yes. really yes wow Sorry, because everyone. when <laughs> yeah when they <laughs> shot they actually shot on 35 millimeter film but it, since it was gonna be broadcast there's lots of times where the shots were framed mm. specifically to be that square shape. If the old film can be found, there'll be lights and cords and wires because it wasn't supposed to actually ever be seen. Fair enough. Yeah, I thought this episode was actually very compelling and interesting. And for me, it kept things turning. I sensed that you got a little bit bored with it. Mm, and I, there was... I shouldn't have been writing notes as I went along. I need to stop doing that again. I'd stopped doing that before. There's a reason for it. I need to be able to engage with the episodes properly yeah, yeah, yeah. i agree because i was thinking how kirk is just nutty and then there was that scene with mccoy and spock confronting him and i was like wait a minute i'm on kirk's side all of a sudden mm. and that was cool mm-hmm. like to be able for them to switch it i was like oh i'm i'm being played a little bit as a audience member yeah. they're tugging me in a way that i th- <laughs> <laughs> they're <laughs> can't wait to get to sexiness uh they're pulling my emotions mm-hmm. in a certain way intentionally and i thought that was very good writing and well done and i thought it was a compelling cool interesting thoughtful episode yeah really beating him off with that story weren't they (laughs) wait wait we didn't didn't give it a concepts uh concepts i would give it a eight i think it's pretty high the ideas that we we discussed there but for entertainment i would also give it an eight wow really yeah i'm gonna go six for concepts oh entertainment for me it was just kind of middle of the road i'm gonna go five yeah Kirk was doing a lot of spaced out speech this episode, which yeah. I haven't really noticed as much before. Yeah. That's the way that you impersonate him, but I don't right. really see him that way. Yeah. But he was doing it. He was here, doing so it. So maybe this is where he starts to really mm. over the top that stuff. There was a fairly intense, effective scene with McCoy trying to declare Kirk unfit and a kind of moving scene where Kirk relieves Garavik of his guilt, which is parallel to his own. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I didn't really see that Garavik's parallel story added that much to it. I only really needed to see either him or Kirk going through sure. this. Not both. That's fair. They didn't go far enough with it yeah. yet. I liked the shot, a little bit of foo while Garavik was trying to save Kirk and sure. then Kirk was rocking him back. And I enjoyed Spock being the hero and McCoy being a bit more charming. Not enjoyed, noticed. Okay, good. So five. Sexiness. McCoy's hair was kind of fluffed up a bit. Looked mm-hmm. a bit more alluring, I thought. It's not it's not my type, but sure. I could see that he looked sexier this episode. Okay, yeah. The bit of Kirk Fu with Garavik and Kirk got me going a bit. That was, <laughs> that was quite sexy. Yeah, sexiness didn't even cross my mind this whole episode. So I, I don't know. Should I give it... I don't want to give it a zero because no. I know it's going to bring it bring it down. But it wasn't mm. unsexy. No. Three? Four? four? Three. 
four. Four. I'll give mm-hmm. it a four. Okay. And I'll give it a three. Wait, wait a minute. I give it a more? No, I don't want to do right. that. And I'll give it a four. Yeah, then no. I'll give mine a three. So you've hey, got a four. Because you you actually found some attractiveness in it. Oh, okay. I found no attractiveness in it. Right. So if you're finding something to get you going, yeah. then uh, then you obviously found it more sexy than I did. So I should probably give it a two, to be honest. Yeah, Kirk didn't look that good in it. I'm going to give it a three. So that's done. Next week is another episode. We kind of peeked ahead to the synopsis of this one. It's A Wolf in the Fold, I believe oh, is the name yeah. of the episode. Oh, yeah. What did it say? <laughs> Scott is accused of <laughs> killing a dancer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember this one at all. Mm. Uh, so I'm really curious about it. Rachel, it's been fun talking Star Trek with you. Yeah, thank you. And thanks everybody out there listening and making this process fun for me. <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!